You're listening to a UCD Humanities Institute podcast. This podcast series features recordings of lectures, seminars and events hosted by or associated with the University College Dublin Humanities Institute. Our podcasts are available on Apple, Spotify and on SoundCloud. For more information and to listen to hundreds of podcasts, go to ucd.ie forward slash humanities. In this episode, a recording from Post-Extractivist Legacies and Landscapes, Humanities, Artistic and Activist Responses. Led by the UCD Humanities Institute, Principal Investigator Anna Fuchs, Co-Investigators Sarah Common and Megan Custer, Post-Extractivist Legacies and Landscapes was selected by the Consortium of Humanities Centres and Institutes to lead a two-year Andrew W. Mellon-funded Global Humanities Institute 2023. The project will develop through a pre-, main- and post-institute in 2023, each hosted by a different partner institution. This podcast features a recording from the pre-institute meeting, which took place in Estonia in April 2023. The paper featured in this podcast, Apartheid's Leviathan, Electricity and the Power of Technological Ambivalence, was given by Faiza Balim from the Witz Institute for Social and Economic Research in South Africa. The title of my presentation is the title of my book, which is um, Apartheid's Leviathan, Electricity and the Power of Technological Equivalence. Um, and it's published by Ohio University Press. Um, so my presentation is going to be a bit of a plug for the book, but also a way of presenting my, the argument in the book, which I've, I haven't done before. So the focus is on ESCOM, which is a state corporation in South Africa. It stands for the Electricity Supply Commission uh, of South Africa, and it was formed in 1922, um, along with a number of other state corporations at a time when the South African government was focused on creating these state corporations in order to drive industrialization um, in the country. And then it survived um, throughout the 20th century. Um, and in 1948, apartheid was introduced. The National Party came into power. And then we had apartheid, which was a period of really, really um, ambitious racial segregation. I think the most ambitious in the world. Um, and then they survived into the 1980s when the question of the privatization of state corporations came to the fore. And some were privatized, but not ESCOM. Um, and in part, it was because it was considered to still be a useful part of the state, um, particularly for the new um, democratic government, the ANC-led government. Um, and now it has become a subject of great public controversy, controversy because of the electricity supply crisis, which we have in South Africa. And over the last two years or so, it's reached almost crisis proportions and I think is the major issue affecting um, South Africa and also affecting the ANCs, which is the party that leads the government, affecting um, their popularity at the polls. Uh, when people talk about wanting to vote the ANC out of power, um, load shedding, which is what South Africans experience, is a big part of it. Um, and load shedding is where we have scheduled periods of forced electricity outages because the supply can't keep up with demand. And the argument I make in the book um, is about the ambivalence of ESCOM in particular and about the technology and its power stations. And it, coal was very important to the South African government in part because of gold mining. So gold mining supplied the bulk of the taxation that developed the state bureaucracy in the early 20th century. And it continued to do so for most of the 20th century. Um, and coal was a big part of this. In fact, 
the owners of the gold mines, which was um, Anglo-American, controlled by the Oppenheimers, often owned coal mines as well. So they would sell the coal to ESCOM, who would then sell the electricity, often at the cheaper, at quite affordable and cheap um, rates back to the gold mines. Um, and electricity was a big part of their operations. And a part of how ESCOM has been seen in the historiography is of having supplied the basis for the maintenance of racial capitalism because gold mining um, supported state revenues, which supported the apartheid government, which allowed it to commence with its huge um, racial, um, racial segregation initiatives. Um, and it's also seen to be, have been a part of the mineral energy complex, which in South Africa is, is a way of interpreting South Africa's economic history, um, which it's been developed by Ben Fine and Zavre Rastamji, and it's, it's a quite influential interpretation um, of the fact that South Africa's economy is dominated by the gold mines, and any attempt at industrialization has not really been able to take off beyond this kind of dominating role of the gold mines. Um, and where there is industrialization, these have been subordinate to the interests of the mines, not just the gold mines, platinum and a whole range of other minerals. Um, these have been subordinated to the mines um, and largely based on things like beneficiation processes. Part of my argument is that ESCOM was actually played a slippery role and it couldn't really be tied to any particular political imperative or initiative. Um, and it was both immersed in and autonomous from the apartheid government, because in part because it was an organization in itself with its own technological apparatus, its own funding systems, and its own internal bureaucracy. And it also provided the basis for industrialization, which did support racial capitalism, but it also gave rise to African trade unions, which became a big part of the anti-apartheid struggle, um, particularly in the 1970s and 1980s. And lastly, now under democracy, it's become a part of the promise to modernization and of the realization of democratic freedoms um, and of the way that people measure their satisfaction with democracy and with the ability to improve their lives um, based on their access to these kinds of, um, to, to the elect electricity infrastructure. Um, so what you see up there is a map of the different coal mines um, and power stations in the country. So you'll see that the concentration in the center um, over there is known as the Mpumalanga area. And that's where most of the country's coal resources are located. Um, and ESCOM historically built its power stations near to its coal reserves. But the area that I'm focused on is to the north, um, a bit to the northwest of that, where, where there are two of ESCOM's power stations called Matimba and Medupi. And that was built in the 1970s. In the, it's called the Limpopo province, and the region is called the Waterberg. It was first the steel corporation, ISCO, which went there in order to exploit these coal reserves, which was a, a difficult thing to do because it was so far from the road, communications, infrastructure, um, and from railway lines. But they were looking for cooking coal, which was a product that they needed in order to manufacture steel. And this was the main source, the main new source of cooking coal that could be found, which was in the water bowl, because supplies in the rest of the country were being exhausted. Um, and while they were in the midst of this plan from about the early 1970s, their funding began to dry out, dry out, particularly because of the 1973 oil crisis, 
which affected the loans that they could access. Um, so they hit upon a new idea, which was to share the poorer quality of coal with ESCOM, um, because ESCOM would be able to use these um, for burning in their power stations. So that's the, um, the coal conveyor belt from the ESCOM, ESCOM's coal mine, which became known as the Krotler coal mine. Um, and that's a conveyor belt that runs from the coal mine to the two different power stations in the area. So ESCOM built the Matimba power station in the 1980s. And even though ESCO was really urging them to, there was also push factors because they had been prevented from building another power station in the Pumalanga region by the air pollution officer, who at that point was chiefly concerned with sulfur dioxide emissions and the effect of acid rain on the farms in the region, which were chiefly white farmers who were concerned about um, the, the quality of their soil. Um, and so ESCOM decided eventually to enter this region and build a power station there. And one of the, 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 the issues I focus on is the development of trade union activity in the region. And the main trade unions in the area uh, were called the, one is the National Union of Mine Workers and uh, the National Union of um, oh, the Metals and Allied Workers Union, which became known as NUMSA. Um, and they became important parts of the anti-apartheid struggle, particularly in the 1980s. And the development there, the organization there, followed similar patterns elsewhere in the country of coal mine and power station organization. Um, and so the unions were quite familiar with organizing in this context. And they also helped negotiate the transition into the 1990s, um, which is when we had democratization and also what is considered to be a more neoliberal um, outlook on, um, on managing the economy. So we had democratic elections in 1994. And there, there were, but there was also a sense of the perils of neoliberal freedom in a context where Africans had been steadily dispossessed of capital ownership over the 20th century. So many of the mine workers, um, and I should say also that this was an open caste mine, so not an underground mine where people went underground, but an open caste one, which is heavily mechanized. Um, and many of the African workers had been, over the course of the 20th century, much like everywhere else in South Africa, dispossessed of land ownership and also cattle ownership, um, and ca where cattle had been a, a great store of wealth for people. And despite the efforts of managers, of ESCOM's man managers, to reduce what they called paternalism and dependency, there was some resistance to this. And one of the managers told me that um, they, they wanted to close down the hostel which was um, a commonly used creation, apartheid creation, not apartheid creation, um, many, um, structure on the gold mines, where, which was only populated by single male workers who left their families in the rural areas. And this manager told me, you know, the apartheid system created dependency and we were the system. We were making the decisions about whether or not grown men could allow their wives to live with them or not. And while they did eventually close the hostel, there was, they found there was still some resistance to it of migrant workers who wanted to continue to remain at the hostel, um, although these were a minority. And the unions would, would say things like at meetings of the importance of continuing to deduct, to have compulsory de deductions from workers' wages, such as for water and lights, because they said that workers didn't know how to manage their money um, and to have compulsory pension deductions. And I think what was also in reading Eva's paper about the, um, the mine workers in Estonia 
um, what struck me was that these mine workers had no real investment in the nation building project. It was not the same thing of, of any kind of pride in the fact that they are um, generating electricity that is running the country. Um, for white mine workers, yes, but those would have been of a, or considered to be higher skilled and higher paid. There was definitely a sense of building the nation through these um, through these projects, but it was definitely not. It, I mean, it was very racialized the way that things were perceived. So I think that also the point I make about neoliberalism is that to question the splintering effect of neoliberalism on infrastructure and the idea that with neoliberal technologies are generally more um, micro, at a micro level, smaller, more discrete and individualized. Um, because in South Africa, we've seen the persistence of the centralized infrastructures um, through the development of large power stations. And I think it's because there's been this contested neoliberalism, um, in contested in the sense that the trade unions, which were a part of the anti-apartheid struggle, have now become a part of government. So COSATU, which is a federation of trade unions, as well as the Communist Party, the South African Communist Party, are in a tricameral alliance with the ANC-led government. So they are now in positions of power, and I think they've been a counterforce to the um, to the establishment of proper neoliberal policies. And ESCOM remained a state corporation even past 1994, in part because they were able to provide cheap electricity or affordable electricity to the majority of the country who had been left out of these um, benefits of infrastructural modernity. And this was was cheaper than a private um, electricity provider would have been able to provide. So, but this um, ability of ESCOM to provide cheap electricity was only realizable when they actually had the electricity. And then they failed to invest in new electricity generation infrastructure until 2007, when we had our first bout of load shedding, which was not as severe as it is now, but it was there and it was a matter of concern. Um, and so they began construction on two new power stations, Medupi, which is in the Lepalale region, the region I've been speaking about, and also Kusile, which is in Mpumalanga. And both have been continuously postponed. Their completion dates have been postponed. Um, and in fact, Medupi was only completed, though construction began in 2007, it was only completed in 2021. And then soon after ESCOM announced its completion, it had, because they have six different generating units in a single power station, um, one of the units um, had an explosion. And so, and that's still not operational. They think it will take two years to repair. So it's only partially alleviated the electricity crisis because um, even now, um, and Kusile only has two out of six units operational. So Medupi is doing a little bit better, but, um, but still not so great. And that's just an image of electricity pylons and an ash dump in Nepalale. So the ash dump just continuously emits ash into the, into the atmosphere. And so now ESCOM's debt has become a huge burden on the fiscus. And much of this debt is made up of the cost of the new power stations, Medupi and Kusile. It's about four, 400 billion um, rand, which may be about 20 billion euros, um, but it's, it's, it's jeopardized the state because its debt is guaranteed by the South African government. So if ESCOM defaults on these loans, the South African uh, Treasury will have to step in to, um, to fulfill the obligations. And there's also a sense of 
ambivalence about ESCOM's role because while it's a huge polluter, we still are emitting large amounts of um, carbon dioxide and also sulfur dioxide. Um, it's also important to South Africa's um, economic development and energy security, which we need for economic growth and reducing the high unemployment rates that we have. So we also desperately want the power stations to work properly, even though they are at the same time emitting huge amounts of, um, of pollution. And the solution is, is to turn towards renewable energy, but there's also, I think more recently it's emerged that there, is, there are very vested interests in the coal mines, which has also been the case historically, um, even under the apartheid government. And now some ANC politicians um, are very focused, almost like dogs with bones, on, on coal and on trying to build new power stations when our experience with building new power stations is that they don't go very well. Um, so, so, I mean, I think renewable is the only, the only option left, but we're struggling with politicians who are just not letting go of coal. Um, and there's also, which I think is a common concern about the loss of mine work and mine workers' livelihoods, um, in the country. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this UCT Humanities Institute podcast. Our podcasts are available on Apple, Spotify, and on SoundCloud. For more information and to listen to hundreds of podcasts, go to ucd.ie forward slash humanities.